This week's episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head on over to dscustomtackle.com and take a look at all the products that they have available. Floats, teasers, tar- terminal tackle, got it all. Beads, maybe you need some sinker sliders or some hooks. Hey, we all need the good stuff, but it's not only just saltwater. He's got some freshwater stuff in there too. Don't forget to take a look at the gear packages. Lots of things all put together in there. So head on over to dscustomtackle.com and get yourself set up for success in the fish. Thanks for being a part of the show, DS Custom Tackle. This week on Finding Demo Surf Fishing, we are headed to the east coast of Florida, and we're going to go a little south, not too far, but I have been really excited about this episode because it has been percolating ever since him and I talked, and it wasn't that long ago we got into the conversations, and as soon as we did, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. Lots of great social media stuff, lots of great knowledge he has online, all things that we're probably going to talk about tonight, but you're really going to dig in, so I hope you got those notepads ready. Because we're talking east side surf fishing. That's right, Mr. Shasta, also known as Rio. We're going to talk to him today. So you're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. Ah, yes. New episode. It's Friday. Well, it's Friday right now if you're listening to it, hopefully, because it's a brand new episode and you wanted to stream it because you're awesome like that. That's right. We're heading over to Central Florida, like I said, this week when we're talking with Eastside Surf Fishing. Uh, you can take a look at him on all social media platforms. You got him on Instagram running as eastside.surffishing. You want to go over to the old Book of Face. You got him on there, too, Eastside Surf Fishing. He even has an awesome YouTube channel set up, Eastside Surf Fishing. Lots of great stuff. So as soon as you get to the page, you're going to find a nice little uh, video popping right up with a sheepy. I want a sheepy. Hey, I still have yet to catch a sheepy. Maybe I'll, I'll find a way to get that out of him. I know we talk about surf, but we can go a little bit onto the inshore side. It's not going to hurt anybody, right? <laughs> well, without me running my mouth forever, we're going to get into this. So welcome to the show, Rio. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'm welcome to be here. Well, I'm the one's fortunate. I found a way to bribe you to come on somehow without even having to pay you on this one. So I'm excited, man. I really am. You've got a lot of friggin' knowledge. You've been doing this a while. Uh, not as long as you might actually think. I've only been in the game for about maybe four years now. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I mean, you, you've got great stuff. I was really enjoying a lot of, I mean, your videos, super knowledgeable, and you've been just crushing it, man. So if you're saying it's only six, you know, four, six years, four years, four years four of work, years. I mean, I would have thought mm-hmm. it much longer. So congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I definitely put a lot of time in. Uh, Yes, I can see that for sure. (laughs) So um, the one thing I did leave off of here, I apologize, was your email. If anybody wants to reach out early, you can reach out to him at eastsidesurffishing at gmail.com. And these will all be back in the description wherever you found them on social media or on my website, findingdemosurffishing.com. All that will be linked in there. We'll also have links back to uh, getting in touch with him and all all of his social media presence. That way you can book a trip when you get out there. So let's uh let's just jump right into it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes here and start way back in the dark ages. Tell us your story and what got you into fishing, man. Ooh, so you know, I think everybody really starts with like the very, very, very first thing they can remember about maybe fishing with their friends, fishing with their family. Um, for me, I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, so for us 
when we went fishing, we were setting fish traps. And then we were pulling traps at like the end of the day or the next day. So it wasn't really, you know, traditional hook and line fishing. Um, but when I got started in here in my adulthood, that started due to one of my friends, Shannon, who uh, basically asked me if I wanted to just go bass fishing one day. He caught all the fish. I just kind of walked around throwing my, you know, lure in the water, doing nothing, watching him catch them. But I figured, you know, this was pretty cool. And uh, at the time I was, for most of the time, what I was doing in my free time, I was surfing. And it was just another way for me to get outdoors. So I really enjoyed that as well. Um, shortly after that, I took a trip to Key West with my girlfriend and her family. And then I was hooked from there on out because I got a taste of salt water. And, you know, once you get that salt water fix in, that's it. Yeah, it's addictive. <laughs> it shouldn't be as addictive, addictive as it is, but it really is. Absolutely. Um, for me, it was dropping fish bites underneath the dock that we were staying at and just pulling up little, you know, little mangrove snapper after snapper. And that's all I wanted to do. You know, they were, they had to drag me off the dock at the end of the day to get me to come in. <laughs> but just one more cast, just, just one more. I'm not asking to not much, just one more series of fish bites. Thank you. Pretty much. <laughs> well, that we heard, so we started out there. What type of fishing do you like to do? Oh, uh, so for me, Mostly, if I had to pick one thing that I could do all day, every day, it actually wouldn't be surf fishing. Wow. It would be sight fishing in the river. Cool. And it's because it's something I haven't done enough of, and I really want to learn more. So that's my end goal. You know, when I'm 70 years old and I have nothing else to do, I'm going to be all about sight fishing in the river. Dude, how did you get into sight fishing anyway? Because, I mean, that, that is a whole interesting game in itself. I mean, I think, you know, the same way that anybody else would get into sight fishing. Hey, I think that's a fish. Let me see if you'll eat this thing. <laughs> and, and once it works, you're like, whoa, that was cool. And for me, I don't have much of a hunting background or any real hunting experience. So for me, that was the hunt was, you know, looking for fish, sight fishing, trying to, uh, you know, if you're blind casting, you see something follow you up, you, then you kind of know, okay, there's got to be some fish right there. And I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm going to get them to hit this lure. Wow. Dude, that's so fun. Oh, my gosh. So you it, did somebody get you into that? Or did you just kind of like all of a sudden like it started once and it just became the newest addiction? So for me, it's still really, really new. Um, I think my first experience would be, you know, getting in my kayak and going kayak fishing with some of my friends and then actually seeing fish. And, of course, you know, being a plus and just running right over them. And then wondering why I'm not getting a bite. Um, but, you know, once I was like, you know, I visually saw the fish were there. I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? You know, okay, now I got to change up my tactics. I need to know what to do. How do I approach these fish? What do they want? You know, how do I catch them? And I think that's like, that's the reason I want to be like, I want to sight fish. <laughs> that's the reason. That makes a hundred percent totally get that. And kudos to you here on this i mean the fact that you found something that you didn't know how to do and all of a sudden fell in love with it and have driven yourself to learn more about it that's friggin phenomenal man really i truly say i truly mean that thank you very much you are you are more than welcome sir now i'm all excited i'm like i want to i want to understand this <laughs> mm -hmm. all right um so what is your favorite thing about fishing mm, it's 
there, okay, so just the simple, shortest answer is just pure stoke. When I'm fishing, it's just like when I'm surfing. There is no two fish that are going to be exactly the same, just like there's no two waves that are going to be exactly the same. So every single time a fish hits my line, it's unique, it's different, and of course everybody kind of gets a little bit uh, spoiled. You know, they want the big one on there all the time, but I'm just grateful. You know, I'm just grateful to be doing what I love. Man, short, sweet, and to the point. That's awesome, brother. That's good stuff. Well, mm-hmm. so you do a lot in Florida, but you've done other fishing around. So you've been around the block for quite a bit. And with the inshore and offshore, all these pieces together, I've seen you out in the boat and that. What is your mm-hmm. favorite fish to target? It's a 50-50 split. And I was racking my brain with this one. And I thought it was kind of funny because you mentioned it. But my two favorites would be fishing offshore for like mangrove snapper and sheephead fishing inshore. The sheepy man. I'm, I'm. I know I'm gonna have to talk to you offline, but I'll do it a little bit on the show here because that's just me. Sheephead is. I've never been in my kayak to do it, so that's happening this winter for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've tried it from the bridge, kind of standing up, we're a little high, and I've seen people do it, but I've yet to. I, I, I'm gonna ask what what's your what's your go to bait and technique for that? Ooh, if I could pick, I think for me in my area specifically, I would want. Uh, sand flea. Wow. Sounds a little strange. And, you know, when you mentioned using a sand flea in the river where it's brackish, a lot of people kind of give you weird looks, but you'd be surprised. They're just a different form of crab and they work. I've actually heard of people saying use sand fleas. So you telling me that just reaffirms it for me to put that on the hook. Um, are you running it down just on like a single drop Carolina rig style? So ideally, when I first started out, I would suspend the sand flea on a bottom sweeper jig, you know, just try to change it up a little bit, let it hit the bottom, reel it up, and keep it as close and suspended as I can to the piling. And that was the way that I first started out. Now what I do is I run a fish finder with about like a 30-pound fluorocarbon or 20-pound fluorocarbon leader with a very short probably 15 or 20 pound fluorocarbon leader off of that to a egg sinker. Okay. That makes sense. It sounds like it's a lot of tackle. It really sounds like it's a lot of bling for those fish. But what I realized is that they care so much more about the presentation than anything. And they are really, really spooky. Okay. All right. I'm tracking now. So cool. So a sand flea and set the tackle like that. All right. I like it, man. And mangrove. Ooh, those fish are fun. Absolutely. And they're tasty. <laughs> they yeah. Are, they're <laughs> I would agree. Yes, they are. Uh, what is a bucket list fish for you to catch? Um, a bucket list fish, and hopefully I will knock this off next year. That's going to be a permit. And then a close second to the permit would probably be a sailfish, just because I want to feel the adrenaline of being hooked up to a fish that's, you know, walking on water, you know, running away from you. Yeah. Just met some guys that do kayak fishing up here in Navarre uh, when we were at the rodeo. And uh, they're, they're big kayak guys here off our pier. And he's like, oh, yeah, I caught a sailfish. And he's just nonchalant about it. I'm like, wow. dude, you, could you be a little bit more excited? He's like, what? I'm like, it's a sailfish. He's like, yeah, I catch them all the time. I'm like, oh, dude, what the hell? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I tell you, man, we get, we get spoiled pretty quick, don't we? It seems like it. It's like, you know, I, I, I just don't. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. I know I'm guilty of it. I remember my, I remember the mm-hmm. feeling of my first pompano when I was out fishing with Tony, and I caught it. And you know, when I catch a pompano now, I still get the yeah, pompano. You know, I'm excited. Yeah. But for, I hope I never look at somebody like, what'd you catch? Oh, I caught some pompano, and it's just like, that's it. You feel really. I don't want to lose that. So that hurt my heart when he did that. It's like, well, what's next for you, man? You need to catch a whale. Is that, is that I make think you that's happy? one of the follies of being a fisherman, Brian, that, you know, we kind of, I don't know if it's like the machismo or what it is that we kind of downplay some, some really nice accomplishments just to maybe make us feel better about ourselves. I don't know, but I've noticed it's a thing amongst fishermen and not to be negative or bad. I just think we do it without even noticing. It makes sense though. I mean, you, you make a very valid point with that just because, I mean. I guess you get numb to it and all that, but come on, man. <laughs> numb to catching sailfish from the kayak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, if, I understand in the surf fishing world, you know, if you catch like a cobia from the surf, that's, mm-hmm. that's something worth getting like stupid excited about. I get that. But I mean, just catching any fish to me is, except the catfish. I mean, I'm, I'm not celebrating catfish or remoras. I'll eat them, but I'm not exactly celebrating them. You know, something mm-hmm. like that, a trophy, big fish, big fight, hard accomplishment. You should always feel amazing about that. If you can touch that leader and be like, I caught you. Ha, I win. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just just let me get my eyes on you. That's it. <laughs> there you go. I look forward to you catching those, man, and seeing you post about it. I'm, I'm, I'll find a way, if I can, to celebrate you on that. That's going to be great. Epic, epic. Where would be a dream place for you to go fish? My homeland of Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, yeah. There is world class fishing there. Okay, tell me about it. I've, I've unfortunately I haven't done a ton of looks, and uh, I've actually had episodes listened to there, which I need to find somebody to talk to about it because I've heard it's great fishing. So what do you know? They do a lot of surf fishing in Trinidad for pompano. Oh, sold. I'll be right down. I can do that. <laughs> yeah they um i'm in a couple like fishing groups and stuff and you know i watch all the locals catching fish and it's so cool because you know there's people and i'm sure you've seen it in the facebook groups they'll be like where are you catching that what kind of baits yada yada there really isn't as much negativity in these groups because i think a lot of these people you know they're going out to really catch fish to feed their family um not so much as for for sport so a lot of them you know they're really using the information to benefit themselves and their family um so I just wanted to touch on that real quick. It's really uh, threw me off because, of course, I know you've seen it where your people, you know, get real negative and start hurling bad comments at folks for asking questions, which it's fine to ask questions, but you got to know how to ask them certain times. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Okay. So so you, you fish there, like you said, you started as a kid. Now you want to go back. How long has it been since you've been back and fished there? Um, it's probably been about five years since I've been back there. Um, when I when I go back, I just I don't know what I want to do because there's the fishing is so good. I really don't know where to start. Do I go stand on a rock and throw plugs and jigs and try to catch a fish off the rocks? Do I go to the surf? Do I go offshore? There's just so much to do. Yeah, it's a lot of options. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and for, for a guy like me, I overthink things way too much. So having way too many options, like. I look behind me and I'm probably staring at a dozen fishing rods. <laughs> Dude, I totally get that. Uh, I I know I'm going to ask this later, but I'm going to do a, a pre-shot on it. How many rods do you normally fish with now when you're in the surf? Uh, 
is that for, on a charter or is that personal? No, no, personal. Uh, personally, I like to run around four rods. If the bite is good, about three rods is the maximum that you can, you know, effectively tend to yeah. without, you know, falling over on the sand. Yeah, yeah. But on the days where the run's going, four rods is just you're at, you're asking for a workout. Absolutely, because you know it's not always going to be a keeper fish, but is, if there's fish around, you know you could be getting bluefish, mackerel, ladyfish, small pompano, small whiting, keeper whiting. You know the list goes on, and they just don't stop. Yep, very, very, very true. What has been your favorite fishing memory? Hmm. Okay, let me think about this here for a second. All right, you take your time, man. We got nothing but time. Oh, that's funny because I started writing a good memory down, but then I realized I had an even better memory. And it probably is my favorite just because of the whole, everything that encompassed that one particular situation. So you ready for story time? Yes, sir. Let's send that story. I want to hear it. (laughs) All right. So um, my buddy Shannon, who actually got me into fishing, he's got another good friend in South Florida. His name is Sean. Just Hey, Sean, what's going on? Uh, so Sean has a Pathfinder. He has been, he is a true Floridian. This guy grew up on the water. He knows everything about anything fishing, and that's all he wants to do. So we're talking a very serious fisherman, and I could be the greenest of greenhorns. So I'm, I'm on the boat that day for a bottom fishing trip. We're going to start with trolling and then move over to bottom fishing. Oh, my gosh. I did not get yelled at more in my life than I did in that specific <laughs> day. <laughs> but I learned quick, and, and it worked. It worked. I, I performed well under pressure, but man, did I get yelled at. So uh, the first thing I yelled at was for pulling the planer, or um, the outrigger, pulling the outriggers and setting them back out right. Oh, man, I got a whole bunch of headaches for that. But thankfully, when we were done trolling, because it got too bumpy, we moved over to bottom fishing for snapper. And that's where the story really starts. So keep in mind, I've already gotten yelled at a couple times. I'm over here tying up a rig, and I'm like, you know, I heard mutton snappers really like a long leader. So I pull out this, you know, rugged-looking spool of Andy 30-pound mono that I got, like, first or second trip to the store ever. Buddy's looking at me all funny. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to tie a super long leader. So I pull out at least 50 feet of 30-pound mono. And at this point... They are so confused, but I'm like, I, I think it's going to work. I don't know what, I don't know what told me to do it, but I felt, you know what? My research tells me this should work. So I throw out this, uh, like a grunt plug. So we caught, a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with grunts over there, Nope. but they're, they're similar to a pigfish. I know, I heard that Tampa area or like Pensacola, you guys don't get pigfish. Do you get pigfish? We do. We do. Okay. So the grunt is a... Similar fish to the pigfish, but more of like an offshore side. So um, got a grunt, cut him into a nice chunk of bait, put him out in that 50, uh, 50 foot liter, and I just waited. So I have this Penn GTI 320. It's a trolling reel. And I don't know what I was doing with the trolling reel bottom fishing, but that just goes to show how much I really knew. But that's what I had at the time. So I made it work, man. And uh, I got a bite. I got a really good bite. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out, okay, do I, I need to crank. Like, I really need to crank. We're fishing a spot that my friend Sean calls break-offs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's literally called break-offs. So you can already imagine that I'm, I'm 
you know, under the gun <laughs> right when I get that bite. So I start cranking on this fish and he's like, you got a good one. You got a good one. And he's like, pull reel. And my reel will not turn. And he's asking me if it's broken, this, this, and that. Thankfully, it was a high-speed reel, so we got up to the weight, and we were able to handline this fish back in. Then I pulled in a 32-inch mutton snapper that probably weighed 20 pounds when it came out of the water. No lie. Oh, wow. An absolute trophy fish that we caught in the Stewart area, which you know you really hear about them more or less like in the Keys or the Dry Tortugas, but that was just like a whoa sort of thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, that's you're not messing around there, man. That's that's a serious fish. Oh yeah, and I was getting accosted asking if my reel was broken the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what and friends so when, are when, for. <laughs> yeah, man. When that fish came up and we put it in the boat, I think I think he just kind of let all that go. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you're good now. You you've been initiated. Let it play. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. so yeah that's definitely got to be one of my favorite memories but just an absolute stellar day out in the water with some really good people you know some uh some tough love on the learning but it worked out yeah it sounds like a great day <laughs> that's phenomenal <laughs> well let's get into the my uh, one of my favorite parts of the show that everybody else seems to love the stealing of your knowledge oh yeah <laughs> so um, we're going to definitely talk about into the guiding here. You're welcome to answer it if you want to talk about personal or guiding, however you want to do it. I know it can fall into both pieces, especially with mm -hmm. this next part we're going to get into. So okay. moving right into that first question, how do you plan your fishing trips? Okay, so I wrote this answer down specifically for charters, Okay, which I think a lot of people will be able to use most of the information to do the same thing I do for my personal trips. Uh, so like everybody else, you got to check the weather. Is it going to be raining? Or is the sun going to be shining? Is it going to be overcast? What kind of conditions am I walking into here? Then I need to know what tide is it? Is it outgoing tide? Or is it incoming tide? Is it the middle of the tide when I'm going to get to the beach? What's happening? Then for charters specifically, I like to look at the moon phases. Um, I, I fully believe that the moon phases have you know influence over the tides, hence influence over the fish as well. And they really control where the fish move. Uh, the next thing I look for are physical things such as sandbars, runouts, holes. You know, you've heard all that stuff before. Okay. The yep. last thing that I do is I will try to pre-fish. So if I'm fishing for myself, like I want to try to see if I'm um, like right now, I want to see if the pompano are in the area. I'll go out, spend two hours in one area, see if it works, see if I get any bites at all, move around a little bit. If that doesn't work. Then I sort of formulate a little bit of an idea if they're in that area or if I need to move a couple miles down the beach or look for some different features. Okay. Well, that makes a, I love the pre-fishing idea, especially for a charter. You know, it's a good idea to be able to know, hey, okay, I'm in a good spot or not. Absolutely. And, you know, fish move. You know, they could be there that day and gone the next. I've, I've definitely had it happen. All too common, isn't it? It's like, yeah, they were great here yesterday. What the hell? I had the perfect structure. I had the perfect tide. I had the perfect, everything was perfect. And it's a barren desert. Yep. It's like the fish, they got a picture of your face and it's posted <laughs> to the seafloor and they know who to look out for. Oh, yeah. It's like a wanted poster, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you kind of hit this, but we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll still dig in because I think you have another piece to this. How do you select a spot? Okay, so for me, selecting a spot, and I'm going to go back to this when we come around to that question later, 
but I'm, I'm going to be looking for the top three things for me. Personally, that's going to be moving water. So influence of the tide always helps. Looking for structure, which you cannot see when you're standing on the sand. So you got to have to know how to identify the bottom from what you're looking at. Like if there's a sloping wave that does not break, you have a hole there. If the wave's breaking there, more than likely you've got a sandbar or a sandbar close by. Um, so that is how I use, uh, or that's what I use to select my spot. Now, when I get to the area that looks fishy, I try to look at the sand to see if there's actual like donax or the coquina clams that they call them. Um, is there sand fleas? Is there, you know, is there food for these fish? You know, there's all kinds of stuff that they eat. And then look for birds. Birds can help you find sand fleas. Birds can alert to if there's pompano in the area. Don't want to give away too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I was, you know, I've, I've learned just, I just keep my mouth shut and let you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to catch myself there for a second. Well, you nailed some great points. I mean, uh, I've brought it up before. Uh, I mean, birds are a great indication. It doesn't work everywhere. But one of the ones that I always find is a constant, and Allison from Real Love, she's the one that kind of turned me on to it. And ever since then, it's been one of the few things that I always look for when I'm, even if I'm in the dark and I don't know where I am, mm -hmm. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the beach and I'm looking for shells. And then I'm looking for the clams and then, then I'm looking for those mm -hmm. ripples for that. It's like the shells and the coquinas and the sand fleas. It's like they're within, they're, they're within a real concentrate of each other. Finding right. that, it's like, oh, okay, that's where I want to go. But yeah, the. The finding the food source concentration, oh, it's like it's like a buffet for the fish. You know you're going to crush them there. Absolutely. The fish always follow where the food is. If there's nothing for them to eat and they're not in a frenzy, you know, because of spawning or anything like that, then they just don't really care most of the time unless you have uh, some excellent fish gum and you can really get that bite going and you better start looking for that food source. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's all about that chow. Well, while we're talking about that, it's the perfect time for the wonderful 25-minute game. Bait check time. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It has been about 25 minutes. We're talking into our first bait check. This bait check has been brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy garage. If you go to his website, you click Shop. You're going to get into all the things, and he's got a whole bunch of easy, accessible ways to take a look at it. You need rigs? Got it. Right there. Terminal tackle, floats and beads, branded items, accessories, all at your fingertips. He's even got great starter bundles and other products available. The Sinker Guy Method beads have always been coming up pretty good. If you haven't heard about that, take a look at Chip's website and also his YouTube channel. Talks a lot about them. So again, head on over to thesinkerguy.com, take a look at all the stuff he's got available, and get that order in. Quick shipping, great customer service. Well, now that we've pulled into this with all the food, let's get into the gear. So how do you set up your gear when you're at your spot? And what I mean by that is your sand spike spacing or something like that. Where do you cast? What types of rigs do you like to use and uh, sinkers? All of that. And we can break it down individually if you like, but that's the big one is how do you set your gear up? All right. Perfect. I love this question. Okay. So when I first get to the beach and I've selected my area that I think I'm going to fish, I like to put two rods out just to see if that's a good area. The way that I, I set my rods up are all in a straight line like you would with any other regular setup, but where I place the, the weights and where I cast are all different. So if I'm running four rods, what I'll do is I'll have 
one rod that is um trying to think of the best word here that's like the outlier the extreme rod just going to put it in a random spot or like in a really far away spot somewhere i just wouldn't normally choose to set up just so i can see if there's fish in that area yep the other three rods i stagger them in distance from the furthest middle and then the short rod so think about it like a clock um if you look at a clock it kind of fans out that's how i like to make my cast so i'll fan them out um one at like 10 o'clock 11 o'clock 12 1 2 so on and so forth and i'll adjust to see if i can find fish okay so when you're doing the clock method because you're the second person to tell me this now and I'm, I'm very interested in this because i love the thought of it so when you're doing the, the clock method, are you basically casting with the exact same power to kind of give you, all right, hey, I'm going to reach over here because that's going to give me 70 yards. Uh, 11 o'clock is going to give me probably 90 yards. 12 o'clock is going to give me 100, 110. 1 o'clock is going to give me back into the 80, 90, kind of backing it down. 2 o'clock, a little mm -hmm. less. Is that, is that kind of what you're doing there? Absolutely. And it's just like when you're working a lure and you're bank fishing, you want to, you know, fan your casts out from nine o'clock to about three o'clock. That's about 180 degrees right in front of you. You cover that water and you move and you just keep repeating that process. That's really smart. Very nicely done. Okay. So, um, so we talked about that one. What are you liking to use for rigs when you're doing the charters? All right. Now this is my favorite part. My go-to rigs right now, um, I'm using a lot of Pompano Rich's rigs. They're his Surfari rigs, and I also use his crab-proof floats for my own personal. Um, so I like to run Rich's Surfari Pompano rigs on two of my rods, and then I run two of my personals. Always got to do that experiment just to see if I can keep up with the OGs. Yep. Uh, but I'll use Pompano Rich's Surfari rigs. I like using his jigs and quills um, whenever I'm doing Pompano jigging. You just had Tim still on there with beach bum uh, fishing lures. His mackerel jigs work stellar. And uh, if there's any sort of toothy fish, like I wouldn't really consider Jack's toothy, but I consider them just as, a, as aggressive as mackerel and bluefish. Tim Stills, beach bum, gunslinger jigs, they freaking work. Tim's rigs are pretty. <laughs> I hate to say like I hate to say like oh, yeah. they are great rigs, man. They are beautiful. Like I loved what I um I got a set. He he hooked me up and sent me some, and I'm like these are really nice. Like I, I feel bad using these. And then I hooked up Goldie and I launched Goldie out there, and it was just getting punched and punched and punched. I'm like this is a great lure. Yes. Yeah, and they hold up. They, they do really hold up. Yeah. Yeah. He he makes a great product, and, and you know I. I wholeheartedly hope more people get them. I absolutely love them. It's a great rig. What about sinkers? Um, and the reason I ask that is because uh, th throughout the surf world, I've learned that some people, storm, dedicated 100% storm. Some people, Sputnik, doesn't matter where they are, Sputnik. Others, tongue, yeah, a whole bunch of weird ones. I, I just, I always want to know, what are you like, what does the charter guy like to use for you? Okay, so I'm going to answer this question and then I'm going to move back into the jigs and rigs. And oh, no, no, keep on the, keep on with the jigs then. I apologize. We can get to the sinker thing after. Okay, no no sweat. So I do want to touch base on this real fast because um, we just had like our anchovy glass minnow run and so we've had a lot of you know big predator fish such as tarpon and snook move in and one lure in specific that I found that worked really, really, really well for me was NLBN and I know that there's so much hype behind them but they just work so good 
that I just have to make an honorable mention for them. What was that again? I, I didn't get my, I didn't get to write it down in time. Okay, so I will. I'm glad that I'm bringing this up because it doesn't sound like you're familiar. No, so it's never N, heard. Of yeah, N L B N. No live bait needed. Okay, tell me more. Yeah. So that's the name of the company. They make extremely realistic in feel soft plastic lures. They um, also make the jig heads for them. And it's such a perfect pairing. And when you go and check them out, you're going to look at that thing and you're going to have the same feeling in your stomach and your heart when you saw Tim's mackerel jigs. You're just going to say, they're so beautiful. I don't know why a fish wouldn't want to eat this thing. Okay, you might be right. They look too good. They look way too good. Those swim baits look pretty. Wow. I mean, it's got the right shine. Yeah. And um, over the course of the run, we had a lot, a lot of fish that were caught on us. We got a lot of tarpon easily in 60 to 100 plus pound range. Got multiple overslot snook. And I believe fully that that lure does most of the work. You just do a nice steady retrieve and that tail wiggles. And compare it to a hoagie, if you ever have them side by side, you can see that the hoagie, not only the hook is different, the the way the lead is displaced throughout the hook is different, the feel of the plastic is different, the tail is um, firmer, more stiff, so it doesn't, it has a more thump, uh, I want to say thump-like effect to the swim bait, whereas an NLBN has more of a swing and a wobble. Hmm. Just some observations. Uh, those are some pretty good, um, pretty good observations, sir. Wow, they, yeah, they got a lot of cool stuff on the website here. See, this is one thing I love about this show is that you, you learn something new about another product that's, be, you know, it helps somebody. It's working. You know, they, these are the great things like that. So, very cool. I'm definitely uh, <laughs> looking forward to reading more about them. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pass this tip on to you. One of my really, really great friends passed on to me. So if you're fishing in an area that has a lot of um, smaller baits, like greenies, uh, really small shrimp, anything like that, NLBN offers a three-inch version of their five-inch swim bait. Oh. And just the profile alone of that thing, it gets absolutely hammered. If you have predominantly you know, white bait in your area and they're a little bit smaller size, size down to a three inch and if you have bigger baits like big pilchards you've got pinfish mullet use that five inch okay that's great tips right there well you just kind of crushed into the next question then about what well we still got to talk about sinkers so let's go into that let's talk about the sinkers all right perfect so for me personally i have this running theory about pyramid sinkers i absolutely love them specifically for fishing for whiting because when I'm fishing for whiting, I feel like they're able to drag those pyramid sinkers around way easier. So it's much easier to catch the whiting when they're on pyramid sinkers. When you're pumping up fishing, you prefer, I prefer to have a Sputnik because I, I need to know when that line goes slack that it's not because, you know, some smaller fish moved it and now they're slacking my line. Okay. I like that thought process. That's a pretty cool idea because you're right. I mean, whitings are fun, but they're going to move it around. It makes sense. Exactly. And I want something to nail that so I know that there's a good one on there. <laughs> we all love a good whiting. Whiting are delicious. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, they yeah. are... They're the... Oh, man. I'm trying to think about this, if it's going to come up later in the podcast or if I should just say it now. 
Whiting are God's gift to surf fishermen because they are the most accessible fish and they bring so much joy to everybody, you know, and we get, just have to be grateful for the whiting. Yeah. This was the first year that I didn't catch whiting on a routine basis and not a, a lot of people up here weren't catching whiting. Like it, they had magically disappeared and everybody's like, where the hell the whiting? I can go to the beach yeah. and normally catch whiting. Why are they not here? So I actually felt sad this year that I didn't bring a bunch home. And so, yes, oh, I yeah. agree with you. That definitely. Uh, I feel that to my core. Oh, it, takes a, it takes a little piece out of me when I don't catch a nice whiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you already nailed the next question about baits and lures, so we can move on to the next one after that. Um, All right. What do you do when you go fishing in a new place? All right. Let me see. Okay. Back to what I said earlier. When I go to a new place, I'm always going to look for the main three things. So I want moving water. I'm looking for structure where fish can hide or bait can hide. And I'm looking for bait or food. So imagine we're going sheep's head fishing, Brian. We're going to be looking for places that have barnacles or, you know, really hard oysters. Basically a food source for these fish. So what we're going to do is so we're going to put the formula together. Is there a little bit of moving water? So that way they would see a natural bait flowing right into their face. Is there some structure so that way they can eat it and go home and feel nice and safe and secure? Just like when we take some takeout, we can't wait to get home and demolish it. And then, of course, back to food. They need to make sure that there's a steady supply of food. Yep. Okay. Good stuff right there. So if you're going into a new spot, um, do you do any kind of other online uh, pre-recon pre or anything like that? Uh, I'll, tr I'll definitely look some places up. Um a lot of people, they don't read online forums, but I feel like online forums have been around for quite a long time, and they, they offer so much uh, information. I think watching videos is probably one of the easiest ways to, uh, to get the information, but it's kind of hard to absorb it. I personally prefer to read everything because that makes me you know, make the connection. Everybody has a different style of learning, so I get that completely. How do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? move yeah <laughs> a very very easy answer that i've always wondered like are they gonna say it or not <laughs> no but i i mean realistically i've had it you know several times where it took me moving 20 feet down the beach to start catching fish and then there's been times where you know moving wasn't the answer the fish just weren't there um but i do want to touch a little bit more about it uh, so if moving doesn't work downsizing your tackle you know, so offering them a lighter presentation, so lighter leader, smaller hooks, less weight, no weight. Um, give them a different bait that they haven't tried yet. Or give them, if you're fishing floats, try no floats. There's so many different things that you can do. And you have, you definitely have the time, listeners. If you're not getting the bites, you definitely have the time to experiment. Yeah. And you're there. So try something different. Yep. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Okay, so let's talk about moving, too, on another one. Um, with your beaches, you have a lot of good access in that area, up and down. You've also got a ton of houses, which always sucks, but it is what it is. How far will you normally move if it's, you know, have, have you done, like, big moves to a whole other area, another beach down the road, anything like that before, and did it pay off? No, it, it hasn't paid off, and, and that's kind of partially to the reason why I don't, I really don't like to drive at all. 
Um, and the most I really will drive for fishing is about an hour, but I really have to be invested into it. Man, the last time I uh, packed everything up at 4 a.m. and left while it was 60 degrees outside, I got to the beach, no fish, didn't know what was going on with the tide and the conditions, was fishing at a new beach, just figured I'd do everything the exact same way and I'd have success. And I was in for, you know, a long ride. So I had to pack everything up and go back north to where I was. Um, but the, I've had, you know, experiences, good and bad, all over the place. I just think it depends on where you're at, you know. And if you really want to travel to go find the fish, you know, power to you. Go ahead and do it. Sometimes that's what you need to do to go where the main body of fish are. Uh, but for me, I'd give it about an hour. You know, that's the most I'll drive. I mean, an hour's a distance. That That's serious driving anyway. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, thank you for, thank you for being straight up and honest with that. I appreciate that. Well, now that we're talking about moving around, let's talk about the next part. How is fishing different in your area than others that you visited? All right. Excellent. I love it. Um, so like I touched up a little bit just a second ago, when I packed everything up and moved from my area here in Melbourne and I went down South, I was fishing in the Stewart area. Now, in Stewart, the bottom's different, the tide is different, currents are different. Where I usually fish, the water doesn't really come up to the, come up the beach a lot. So, you know, the tide may move 10, 20 feet. Where I was fishing in Stewart, I had never been there before, and the tide just kept rising and getting further and further up the beach, and the current just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and I couldn't even pull bottom. Um, so I was really unhappy about that and I haven't been back since, but they, they catch fish down there. I just need to go down there and figure it out and put some time in. Time is the killer when it is, isn't it? When it comes to fishing, it's like we have one day that, like we were talking earlier, one day that beach might be a barren desert, but next year or the next day or the next week, you know, one thing or a good storm comes through and next thing you know, it, it's the hottest ticket of all tickets. Absolutely. And, and I've seen it happen where, you know, fish, for me, they'll stay in one area particularly, and then they'll move on to another area and just stay in one area. And I'll go bouncing around thinking that they're, you know, uh, traveling, migrating, doing whatever, and, and they're not. They're still in that one spot for the last two, three days, and I should have gone there. Uh, but that's just me, you know, wanting to experiment and try the old honey holes and everything. And I do want to uh, touch on this part. In my area, we have, like, where I fish, there's Cocoa Beach satellite beach and melbourne beach down towards sebastian inlet so the bottom differs greatly throughout the entire area so not only does the depth change a lot but the features of the bottom changes a lot so the more north i go the shallower it gets and the more slopey the drop off off the beach is and then i go a little bit south from cocoa beach into satellite beach and it's all rock and it's pretty deep so there, that's where I first started surf fishing, and I would catch a lot of black drum, black margate, and sheepset, and tons of whiting. And then I'd go down to Melbourne Beach, all sand, big deep holes, um, a little bit deeper than Satellite Beach, and then Sebastian Inlet starts changing all over again. Start going back into rocky areas once you start moving past the inlet, and then it's all different. The current changes everything. I love going into Coco. What? Well, more specifically, I'm always off the Air Force Base. Oh, okay. I grew up like three streets over from down there. Oh, okay. So, um, the, I can't remember the name of the damn park, but if you were to come out of the gate and head north, if you were coming down A1A there, uh, 
it's on the left right before you get to the main gate i think it is it's the big parking lot it's got all the bathrooms and everything there on the left um i always go into that access walk down and then i'll walk to the south about i don't know 150 200 yards where all the plants are i'm normally in line with the next roof i can see and the three or four times i've been there um there's been plenty of people fishing and i've always watched them and i don't know what it is i just seem to find that one spot my rods are always going off and the fish is just unbelievable i mean shark whiting pompano uh jacks sharks stupid sharks man they come up on the beach for you there they don't mess around but, oh yeah, the, the last time the the bait was running, these sharks were pushing themselves up right on the shore just to eat whatever is around. <laughs> like you said, when the pompano, the whiting are there, you better believe those sharks are right there too. They love pompano just as much as we do. Yeah, yeah, but that that area has always been. I don't know why it just holds kind of a nice spot for me when I go visit my mom in Orlando. If I know I'm going fishing, mm-hmm. that's hey, where are you going? I'm going here. Well, why? I don't know. It just worked for me. So that it's, that it's the mana. It's the energy there. That's what it is. Yeah, I'll take it, man. I got that marked on my place of naughty fish must go to every time. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to check it out just to see if it's working, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. I mean, what's the worst that happens? I spend time enjoying myself on the beach. Oh, no, not that. Oh, no. <laughs> well, now let's get into your business. What got you into guiding? So I can't remember exactly when I figured out I wanted to do this. Um, but I think I really just wanted, uh, I had the willingness to kind of teach and pass what I know on because one thing that I wouldn't say that it bothers me, I would say that it, it doesn't irk me either. So I'm looking for the word. It makes me feel like I could do more whenever I fish with other people and they don't have the same success as me. It just makes me feel like I need to pour everything I know on them and all at once and doesn't usually work out for my really good friends all the time because they just think I'm berating them. But (laughs) uh, I just really want people to learn and understand, and I want to see that click when everything comes together for them. I like that. Wow, okay. You got into it for the love. Yeah, I just love seeing people catch fish, put smiles on faces. That's what it's all about. I mean, I I just love sharing the, the stoke. Yeah, man. Hard not to, right? celebrating other people when they're catching it's like i love being a cheerleader for that it's it's weird isn't it Absolutely. but it's like it just feels good mm-hmm. now that we've talked about that what comes with going on a trip with you oh this answer was uh was hard for me to, to answer so when you book a trip with me you get rio raw and unfiltered you get everything that i know you have to just make sure and come prepared with any questions that you might have because I will get you an answer. It doesn't matter what it is. I will get you an answer. As long as it's surf fishing related, you know, let's just keep it in that box. <laughs> but I will make sure that I try to find that answer for you. And I will try to have you leave the trip learning something or with a good experience. I don't see how it couldn't be a good trip or experience with you. You've got a lot of positive energy, and definitely it sounds like a great time to even think about going surf fishing with somebody over there. So it's got, to me, you've already sold me on like, yes, this is going to be a good guy to go with. Bite's good. You definitely need to get down here right now. Mullet run is happening, and there's a whole lot of fishy activity. 
Yeah, it's on the list, man. I've got... So we were actually supposed to be down in that area at the end of the month here, um, but I just got an update that Roy's tournament uh, unfortunately got canceled due to uh, Roy's wife is not doing well, and he's got to concentrate okay. on that. So uh, I'm not sure we're coming down to Orlando just yet, um, but we'll find out. I know this weekend um, Abby and I are heading to the Kids Can Fish Foundation uh, tournament in Georgia. And then after that, we have the following weekend, we have the uh, Pompano tournament here in uh, Perdido Key. We, so I don't know. We'll see how or, uh, the rest of October takes me, but I know the bite is hot there. Yeah, and it's actually going to keep getting better. And then it should finally sort of, you know, plateau a little bit to where just there's a bunch of fish, a bunch of bait, and everything's going off all, all cylinders all at the same time. And then as we, you know, get more into winter, it's going to become more specialized fishing, like, you know, big tarpon, big bull reds, pompano fishing, of course, stuff like that. Yeah, I try to, you know, make sure that you have a great experience, give you good gear, you know, all that fun stuff. Take care of your fish. You know, I know, Miss Allison, if you're listening, we do take care of our fish for our clients. It's <laughs> uh, so funny that I messed that up, that I already asked that question. I didn't line it out, and I asked it again. That's what I get for not paying attention to my <laughs> markers. And I didn't mark that's a check okay, mark. I got, I, dude. I got. I, that's my one of my worst. I'm not editing this. Well, I will, but uh, <laughs> that's what happens when I get like really involved in the conversation. Like I'll look away from my notes, and then I'm just kind of looking at my wall in front of me, and I'm visualizing what you're talking about. And a lot of times, like it, it gets me so engaged that I just kind of forget where I was, and I'm just excited because it's like, yes, ooh, oh man, that sounds good. Like I. I it's like doing the <laughs> yeah. show, but listening to the show at the same time. It's it's weird in this in this chair, but I love that part. Mm -hmm. So I apologize. <laughs> no worries. It's okay. I'll give you a pass. I appreciate you, man. Um, so and I know this probably the answer to this is probably seasonal, but what do you normally target when you're on a charter? Uh, let me take a quick look here at my notes. For a second, I got lost myself, Brian. I apologize. <laughs> See? <Okay. laughs> yeah! Now I feel better. <laughs> I swear, I was going to go back to that same question. We just, you know, work back around. Okay, so on my charters, um, what I'm mainly looking for is the crowd pleaser. I'm looking for nice, keepable stud whiting because they are the ultimate fish for anyone who doesn't eat fish a lot or doesn't go fishing a lot. Because I'm not sure if you've had the experience yourself with a pompano tasting a little bit fishy, mm -hmm. but I've never had that with whiting. I've had whiting fillets sit in a bag in the fridge untouched for a week. I take them out, give them a quick rinse, dry them off, fry them up, and they taste excellent. So for me, my favorite, I prefer whiting over pompano. But I'll go for whiting, pompano, then sharks. Uh, it really depends on what my clients want to choose. If they want to just have fun, fish for sport, they don't really want to keep anything, I'm going to try to put them on, you know, pompano, sharks, maybe throw some lures or something, try to get them on some big mackerel or jacks. Um, and, of course, seasonally, if it's summertime, snook, wintertime, redfish, tarpon, and later in the wintertime, black drum. Nice. Yeah, you guys catch a black drum from the surf, but you guys catch that eater size. Oh, yeah. Well, you definitely, if you go up to that cocoa area where you're fishing before, you will certainly get some nice Peter-sized black drum over there. That's one I haven't caught while over there yet. I mean, I want to, because I, I have never eaten black drum yet. Because for us, 
and our surf for some reason i always we we catch the monsters um they just in the winter time they are out there lazy you know they give you that fight for about a couple minutes and they're like all right i'm done dude just for the love of god bring me in and let me go okay cool you got your picture cool appreciate you all right let me go now yeah if you can hold them up and take care of them properly gosh they're (laughs) yeah (laughs) those those like big black drum they make you think yeah, I, I, I can't count the amount of times I'm like, how did I pull you in? You're a monster. You're like 30-something pounds. How the hell did I get you here? <laughs> you know, as surprising as it may seem, you know, a, a fish that's that big, you know, I have uh, my personal best is a 48-inch black drum, sight fish out of the surf with 30-pound leader. And, you know, the only thing is like, yeah, he's not going to really break me off on anything unless he finds a rock or two. Yeah. You say use nice light tackle. Of course, if you're around some structure, take care of that fish. You know, don't exhaust them. Make sure to take the time to revive them. But it's it's really nice to be able to catch such you know large creatures on light tackle. You imagine doing that with a, a redfish or a tarpon or a snook. You better you know count your days because it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, well, our timeline just ran into a perfect moment. Bait check time. This bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the stuff that they've got going on in their happy place. Not only is it Ninja Tackle, it's also Ninja Tactical. You can head on over to the website and you can find everything you need for other firearms and other weapons accessories. At ninjatackleva.com, got lots of different things with the ES lures. Uh, Ninja Dagger series. I love every one of those rods. Sword fillet knives. All the things that you could possibly need, he's got you set up there. So head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com. You get your order in. You get it ordered out quick or quick shipping. And, again, really good customer service. Matt will take care of you if there's ever a problem. He's very true to his word there. So take a look. You won't be sorry. So what is your favorite part about running a charter? I guess my favorite part about running a charter, because to me it still feels like I don't know. I still I still get butterflies in my stomach when I take people fishing. It's like, is it going to happen today? I always have that question if it's going to happen. Am I going to be able to catch fish? And it's a new and a fun, exciting experience, you know? Uh, my favorite part about going to a charter is just trying to see if what I know works. That's it. I just want to be able to see if what I have been doing for X amount of time is working. If it works and I get some smiling faces, and I can teach some people as well how to surf fish, then that's it. You know, I want to be able to pump you up and make you feel like you can do this without me. That's my goal. But we can't do it, man. You're showing us the way. <laughs> Listen to the podcast as many times as you need. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on. You already said you were holding back some stuff. I know what you were doing there. <laughs> that's great man i appreciate you saying that come back and listen to the show there's a lot of things if you're not taking notes there's you so be. much there's really so much in your in your podcast brian i love them thank you man I'm, I'm, like i said we were talking pre-show i'm i'm trying my best to make sure i'm staying relevant and useful because the last thing i want to be is that that show that you're like Ugh, i'm just gonna play it and put it on mute so that way you get to listen i you know i want to make sure that everyone's getting something because that means i'm doing it right absolutely well, how is running a charter different than your normal fishing day? Uh, so my, a normal charter for me, I get a little bit 
not a little, I definitely got a lot more serious, you know, making sure everything's organized, prepared, checking all the tackle, make sure everything works, making sure I have, you know, set a number of, you know, rigs, making sure I have all the weights that I need. I, tr I check everything and then I check it again and then I check it right before I leave the house just to make sure. So I do a lot of pre, uh, pre-checking, organizing. I do a lot of research with the weather, trying to formulate for me, if there's gonna be like a magic window, I wanna let my client know, you know that's gonna be the time that we need to aim for so that way we have the best success. Um, for me personally, it's not very different um, other than like, you know, on my end, I have a different approach. I'm not as aloof about it. Um, I tend to explore a little bit more and experiment when I'm by myself. But when you book a charter with me, it's not as different. I want you to feel like you're my friend. I want you to feel like you're family and that you can't do anything wrong. I want you to just come and have a good time. Very nice, man. It sounds like so much fun going out with you. Well, thanks. You should come down. Oh, yeah. okay. Why not? I mean, I, I, I do. Yeah, that I'll come area. meet you up in Cocoa. I'll come meet you in your area. Well, I'm down for that. Or I'll come to you, man. I mean, hell, if, if I'm going to come down to visit somebody. I'm that weirdo that will tell you, don't drive to me. Yeah, if I'm going to go fishing, I'm going to go fishing. If you want to meet somewhere in your zone, I'll come to you. You know the spots better than I do. I'm going out blind and just, you know, banking on the old lucky star. I'm like, come on, you know you're going to bite. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely take you where the fish are, Brian. No worries. Well, that sounds good, man. It'd just be fun to hang out. I'm, I'm a weirdo like that. I'll definitely enjoy hanging out. But that I want to mention this because yeah. you, you mentioned hanging out. Now we're, now we're really starting to talk like we're friends. Do you listen to heavy metal? I hate to just bring this up randomly, but do you listen to heavy metal? Um, yes. Very, very heavy and dark. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm okay. a I am a very big fan of the double bass, uh, hardcore thrash, death metal. Yeah, uh, I'm, oh, I'm, my gosh. But I can go, that's my happy extreme, but, I, you know, I can back it off a little bit and get into the other. But, yes, I love metal. So are you familiar with All That Remains? Um. Yes. Oh, my gosh. They were supposed to play here recently. That was one of my very first concerts as in my youth. But anyhow, I, I knew it. I just knew it. I'd seen something somewhere, and I was like, I know that Brian is really cool. I just have to make sure and finalize that for myself. So, Brian, you Ooh, are really cool. Thank you. Did you know that the lead singer for All That Remains was, is a Marine? Yes, Mr. Phil Labont, I think is how you say his name. Yep. yep. Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. I have a signed All That Remains t-shirt, but you know what? That is just one of the exquisite bands that just brings me joy. Because like you said, I was driving yesterday after fishing, and that double bass, almost uh, degent style was really hitting good. Mm, I love those days. Absolutely. <laughs> and I love... Now we can move on. I had to get that out of my chest. Oh, no. I can, hell, we can do this part of the conversation. People are like, really? That's, that's your style? I mean, if you go to my TikTok, there's one on there where I, I may have gotten into the heavy music. But I love that stuff, man. Rough day. Mm, that's going to make my day better every time. Every single time. We talked about service areas a little bit. We talked about where you're at, but what area do you service for your charters? Uh, so me, I love the Melbourne Beach area, and I am slowly starting to filter myself into Satellite Beach. Uh, that's where I first started surf fishing, and I have donated so much tackle to the rocks over there in Satellite Beach. <laughs> oh, <no>. But <laughs> that place, it's uh, it's kind of untouched in the sense that it's hard to figure out how to fish it there. You can, you know, you can stay a foot off the edge of the sand and hope for the best, or you can just change up your tactics and see what happens because there are so many fish and not a lot of people access them because of the difficulty of the area. 
So I love Melbourne Beach. I fish close down to, towards Sebastian a lot. But if, what I want to do is I want to move up a little bit more back into my hometown and learn how to fish it there as well. Nice. Okay. You know, you, as soon as you started talking about the rocks, it actually made me um, it made me think about Vince's episode on Vince Goes Fishing, the California guy. Yeah, because that all he fishes a ton of rocky areas, and it got me mm-hmm. kind of like, hmm, I wonder if we could use some of those tactics. All right, now, so I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to it and look at my notes. And when I come down there, I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. We're we're gonna go see if we can't donate some tackle and hopefully catch some fish out of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I the gears have been turning because I have seen people in uh, in California they use like very like almost like micro jigging style tackle mm-hmm. and there's those little grubs and stuff and they can catch all types of fish i'm like hmm i know a lot of places that these could work and you watch any type of micro jigging or you know uh multi-species type of angling there's probably so much that we're missing you know on a day-to-day basis that we just don't know about because we've never tried yeah yeah one of the, one of the things i'm starting to find more and more and and this is really heavily due to um tim and uh, the Australia episode, talking with those guys about fishing with lures. You know, I've, I've I've heard people talk about it, and they're like, "Dude, you're missing out on fishing if you're not using lures. You're you're just you're mm-hmm. doing half fishing by doing set rigs." And it's like, okay, kinda, but it was mostly you know it's a mental block for me because I'm like, well, I'm throwing lures and nothing's happening. It kind of sucks. Right. It's a, you know it's a little bit dejecting and you know, it hurts the feelings. Like, man, I suck at fishing. But the more that I've talked to like Tim. And those guys, and then watching other people do it and talk to some other people local, it's it's like, okay, jig fishing is a ton of fun, but you just have to figure out what the combination is. It, it's just a puzzle. You know, if you're going to, maybe you need a topwater. Maybe you need a plug. Maybe you need to go with a popper. Or maybe you need to get your hands into something that's going to swim fast and low. I never realized all these combos until talking with these guys. And it's been my, it's, just, it's been really mind-opening for me to realize that if you change even the speed of a lure, you're going to attract a whole different species of fish. Right. And it's like, okay, well, what about if I do it like this? Well, you want flounder? Okay, use a flounder style. Use a paddle tail. Well, it's not going to go out far. Well, what's to tell you that the flounder is way out far? Why would it be? Oh, oh, my bad. I didn't even think of that. So... A lot of these things, like you're talking about with lures and how they do it out there, especially with the different types of jigs and different, you know, even micro stuff or stuff you do freshwater, and it's working. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. We've been missing out on a whole different ball game here. Oh, absolutely. So that reminds me of a time when um, I think I'd gotten off work. There's maybe about an hour and a half of daylight left. Uh, cool front, you know. So it wasn't uh, wasn't the best type of fishing conditions. Not something you really were going to chase yourself outside. Hey, it's it's really cold and the sun's setting. I'm going to go fishing. Uh, but I, I just needed to uh, scratch that itch. So I have this little silver and chartreuse bomber uh, swim bait. Not too sure what it's called. And I'm figuring, okay, maybe I'll throw a couple casts out. Let me see if I can find a snook. Because at the time, my knowledge, I figured there was only just snooks sitting around on the rocks. And that's what I'd catch. Well, Brian, to my surprise, I caught a 17-inch flounder on this little plug. Wow. I lost it. I'm like, wait a second. You're telling me that there... And a flounder came up to eat a subsurface bait. So he really came up and hit it. 
that blew me away. That is and definitely cool. And it's just the way she said. Yeah, there's probably so much fish that we have no idea and we just don't target them. You talked about videos earlier, and I know we're off on a tangent here, and uh, this is relevant, listener, so <laughs> please don't think it's not. Have you taken a look at Tony's um, Fish Gum channel, if you guys haven't heard of it? I've, I've mentioned it numerous times. But have you seen Tony's uh, Fish Gum videos where he shows the underwater camera footage? Mm-hmm. Dude, the amount of fish that have passed by his camera, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Because you think, well, what the hell, my bait's right here, dude, eat it. But the, you know, a lot of them are like, I don't want this little floaty thing. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a predator, man. I'm chasing my food. Right. And it's just, we, we miss so many things there because that type of bait we're using or type of rig, that's just not their style. They don't want that. At that time. Yeah, that oh, that's the worst timing. I still believe fishing is part luck. Totally. I'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a true statement right there. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I think you already nailed that one, but I'll ask it. No, you already nailed it. I'm not going to waste your time with that. How do people book a trip with you or look you up to go on a charter? Okay, uh, so the easiest way to book a trip with me, I would prefer if everybody got in contact with me just so we can talk, just so we can see if it's a connection. And if it sounds like a good idea, then we can, you know, work further on, you know, actually booking a trip. Uh, so if you really are looking to book a trip with me, call or text. Uh, my number is 321-872-5814. Or you can go on my website, which is a work in progress, disclaimer, work in progress. Uh, you can go on my website, and you can book directly through there. It also has all of my contact info. My website is eastsidesurffishing.com. What has been some valuable lessons learned after starting and running your charter business? Not to put too much pressure on myself and just keep perfecting the craft through being disciplined and working hard. That's it, because I I just can't focus too much on what anybody else is doing but myself and I know that what I'm working towards is going to pay off and I'm just going to keep stacking the knowledge and, you know, learning new things. You know, imagine if you found out at your favorite fishing spot, some old timer local comes up and says, hey, do you know 30 feet down there, there's a giant rock that they dropped off? You would be like, what? That is so cool. Now I know a little bit more. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I love learning stuff. So the more that I learn, the better for me. Yeah, man. <laughs> Great stuff right there. Phenomenal. Well, let's get into the final bits here. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler? Research, research, research. Read as much as you can. Um, there's so much information in, in a lot of books, and I think books are you know, slowly becoming, not obsolete, but they're becoming forgotten about. But there is so much information with you know, guys similar to myself who had a lot of info or knowledge and no one to pass it on to. So definitely research, read, watch videos. If you absorb um, information better with videos, don't be afraid. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Yeah, you might look foolish, but who's more foolish, the guy who asked the question and got an answer or the guy who still doesn't know? I think that one speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just don't beat yourself too much up and just get out there and have fun and try to, you know, keep the stoke alive because I think we're all just, you know, big kids trying to have fun. <laughs> and if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Yeah. 
What do you believe has been the reason for a surge to surf fishing? Now, I feel like this is sort of a, uh, not a loaded question, but um, I guess since conception of your podcast, you know, we were we were coming out of the dark ages of COVID and everything. Uh, so I believe that, you know, accessibility to the outdoors is one reason a lot of people went to surf fishing because, you know, with COVID, a lot of people's livelihoods were affected. The economy wasn't really that great. So it's a lot more accessible than, you know, getting a boat or taking a charter. Um, it's very easy for the whole family to do. And it's really not the most um, labor intensive fishing. Surf fishing, you can just put one rod with some bait in a rod holder. You don't even need to have a rod holder. I see those guys out there in the beach chair just holding the rods you're doing, having fun. And yeah, just get out there and do it up. What do you recommend a new angler does before ever putting a line in the water? Uh, make observations. Just look around and observe what other people are doing. If there are other people in your area, you're going to need something to use as your control. So that way, when you try what you're going to try whatever it may be you'll be able to say okay did i have this result or did i have that result and then you can adjust from there so make observations try to learn as much as you can simply marvelous right there well you've just gone through all my questions but Mm. i've got i've got a couple that i didn't put on the paper and i'd like to ask you go ahead based on all the things that you've been fishing for these last four years what would you say for you has been some great lessons learned that you would want to part on somebody and be like, look, I made this mistake in the beginning and it's an easy mistake to make. Don't do this. Don't spread yourself too thin when you're off fishing offshore. Just find one thing that you know that you're capable of doing and stick to it and see if it works. Um, myself, I just want to experiment too much. So I'll go offshore and like with the mangrove snapper, they they can be very, very finicky at times. And so I'll just try a bunch of different things. And then I'll look at like the regulars or the other anglers always go on the boat and they'll do the same rig they use every single time. They'll soak their bait for as long as they need and they'll have success. So don't spread yourself too thin. Find something that works and get good at it. Very nice. Well, actually your timing is perfect because we're going to nail this one real quick. It is your final bait check for the show. This bait check has been brought to you by Rogue Reels Fishing. Head on to Rogue Reels, that's reels with a Z, fishing.com, and take a look at all the rigs that Rob has available. If you need to get your hands on line cutters, he's got those in the shop ready for you, whether it's the hat, the hybrid, the ring, the zipper, all there. If you're looking to get your hands on the Smitty Surf Fishing Shark Rig that you can attach to the boat but also utilize, still a great rig right there for available. The Demo HD Double Drop Rig, because you all know I hate toothy critters breaking off my rigs, bothers me. A shark rig that's both castable or the Red Drum Rig that's castable to get out there and catch on those fish, he's got them available in the shop. Again, that's roguereelsfishing.com. Take a look. Get yourself set up. The almighty important question, and I didn't put this on here for a very good reason because I had a feeling you were prepping. So mm. here's my <laughs> here's my jerk question for the end of the show for you. What's next for you? Well, <laughs> do I work extra tomorrow or do I cut out early and do I go fishing? <laughs> oh, that struggle is real. I can always make the hours up later, right? Yeah, of course. No one will know. Just you know, as long as it gets to the end marker, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, that's that's my current dilemma. <laughs> so yeah. I had to make sure to knock out the podcast so I can go fish. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. So for you, what are you gonna do, man? I mean, you've got a great charter business. You're already proving to be a super rock star angler, and you're growing and still continuing with all this stuff. So what? What do you? What I got? I, I really want to push for you. What are you hoping to do? Uh, so for me, I just want to get a little bit more serious with um, being more business minded. You know, promoting the business, making sure I'm doing advertising, marketing. You know, getting myself out there, uh, trying to stay focused and disciplined. You know, I. I was out snook fishing yesterday. I should have been pumping out fishing, but it was it was blowing so hard when I walked outside. I figured I'll just save it for another day. Uh, but you know, simple things like that. It's snook season. Who wouldn't love to you know put some meat on the table for dinner? But I have some in the freezer right now, so I need to get to the beach and start catching more fish to put in the freezer, so I don't have to worry about any of that anymore for the next couple of months. <laughs> Perfect, man. Well, this has been an excellent episode. Thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time, answering all these questions. You have dropped a ton of knowledge tonight and featured some great products um, and definitely given a lot of food for thought, especially for me to think about doing uh, here in the near future for my fishing game. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And I, I want to touch on these three people, if it's okay. Yes, send fast. it. All right. So a humongous shout out to the Pompano professor himself, Rich Vidalich. He has been monumental in helping me with my career so far. And he is an even better friend, more than a mentor. Uh, the second person I want to put up there right next to Mr. Rich is Tony. Tony from Fishgum, you are excellent at what you're doing and keep it up. And Matt Poole from Ninja Tackle, just thank you so much for your generosity. That's all I have to say. That's good stuff right there. Great guys. All three of them are great guys for sure. All right, buddy. Well, next time I know we'll probably talk again, but thank you so much for this. I appreciate, again, everything you've come on the show and talk about tonight and just given us so much to continue with. And I look forward to following your adventures and continuing to watch you to grow and do all the fun stuff you are. And I know you're going to drop more knowledge on your YouTube and social media for more people to pick up. So awesome stuff. And thank hey. you. Absolutely, Brian. That is excellent. Uh, yeah, I really don't know what else to say. I kind of forgot to plug oh. a freaking giveaway that I'm going to post on what? Instagram. An Instagram what giveaway? Yeah. Well, send that good stuff. Yeah. Should, should I go, just go right into hey, it? Hey, if you want to drop it on the podcast, man, I am all for helping out with an, with an Instagram giveaway. How can I help you? Let's do this. Talk about it. Okay. So... I just want to make an announcement that I am doing a giveaway for the upcoming surf fishing season. So what I'm doing is I'm giving away one surf fishing trip with a bunch of pompano fishing stuff. So that way, when you're done fishing with me, maybe you'll be able to go out there and try to reproduce everything that you learned. Uh, I'm going to do some pompano fishing gear, some snook fishing gear, and I'm also going to give away some beach fishing lures. So that way, everybody can go out there and get fishing this fall. Oh, dude, that's going to be awesome. Yep. So the only way uh, for you to enter would be go on my last YouTube video, which is some um, video explaining why I haven't been making videos because I want to stay true to the content. And you can comment there on YouTube or go to my Instagram and comment on the giveaway post. And that's all you need to do to enter. Oh, that's good stuff, Rio. Thank you so much for dropping that in there. That's 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 going to be huge. All right, Brian. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me on your platform. I had a great time. Likewise, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. You stay rocking, Brian. <laughs> yes, sir.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show. We've been talking with Rio from Eastside Surf Fishing. Take a look at all his content. Like I said, you now know there's a great giveaway going on for there for you to get your hands all set up to get turned into there for the next season. Ah, man, I've got a whole page of notes that I cannot wait to go back and re-listen to this and get myself set up because I'm going to use some of that stuff. Not to mention, when I go east, I am definitely going fishing with him. So you can go ahead and expect those pops to, or those things to pop up on my social media because that's going to be a really good time. If this show has been helpful for you, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Send this to somebody that might use the information and might need it. This one biggest thing that I've always talked about on this podcast is my goal is to help people fish. If you're coming down here on vacation, now you know if you're going to go into those areas, you got somebody that you can reach out to to go on a charter with. You don't have to bring the gear. They got it. You want to do Florida fishing? Covered. Want to do it on your own? No problem. He's giving you tips and tricks on things to look for and things to do on those areas. That is the whole hope of this podcast is to help you or someone become a better angler and the next time they're out. Thank you all for everything you've done for me and everything that you've always encouraged me to do this and to try to help make the world a better place. So thank you for that. I appreciate you. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surfishing. I am out of here. <laughs>